Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clogs podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined again today by my good friend and gambling guru, Chad Ford. Chad, how are we doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great, bud. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well, man. Ready to talk sports. We got another big gambling yeah. weekend. Just just finished a big gambling weekend from a sports standpoint, and we'll talk about the, some of the highlights from uh, from the weekend uh, before we start looking ahead. But uh, but before we get started, as as always, Chad, hey, we got to give some love to Chalk Sports Bar, uh, which is obviously a place you know a little bit about. Uh, Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Uh, Chad, you and Ben and the entire team over at Chalk do an amazing job every week and, and our listeners listeners can follow you guys all on the web at chalkokc.com or follow you on twitter and instagram at chalkokc in my humble opinion it's the closest thing to a vegas sports book you're going to find in oklahoma and the food just can't be beat always the favorite that's chalk luxury sports bar and me and the guys we spent some time up at chalk this weekend chad obviously had our college fantasy football draft up there saturday afternoon and then i know a lot of the guys that participated in the slump buster uh, cup golf tournament uh, uh, joined up there sunday afternoon to watch the end of the u.s open so uh, it was a good weekend at chalk man there was a lot of a lot of butts in the seats man so hopefully it was a good weekend up there yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, that's the that's the thing with this pandemic right now, right? Is all, all the sports are getting compressed, so you always have something going on. So it's it's been relatively well for uh, us up at the restaurant, even though um, the majority of people still out there are a little skittish about going out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So kind of wear a mask as you come in and uh, get get seated and get situated there, and then, then maybe if you feel comfortable, you can take it off there. But yeah, never never been more important to have multiple TVs, and uh, you guys certainly have that up there, Chuck. You've got yeah, you've 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 got that covered for sure. So, but uh, <laughs> uh, no no better place to watch the games for sure. But you know, talking about golf Sunday afternoon, Chad. You know, I think that's where we have to start uh, from a sports gambling. Uh, standpoint in, in in the big golfer the big boy Bryson DeChambeau runs away with it when it's all said and done at the U.S. Open ends up winning by six strokes but you know your thoughts on on Bryson's performance at the U.S. Open and uh, man did, did you see this coming at all Chad honestly no I, I mean can you say this is an upset I mean he's having he's had a great year let's not you know put that down or or anything like that but I don't think anybody foresaw him going out there and winning the U.S. Open with what traditionally everybody thought is, you know, more strategic shots, more laying up, more take what the golf course gives you. He went out there, only one shoot under par. I don't even think he hit a quarter of the fairways. Um, and he's just going long and then taking wedges uh, into the into the hard green. So, you know, proven doubters wrong, proven uh, golf fundamentalists wrong. Yeah, wasn't wasn't so much that he won it per se, but how he won it, right? I mean, you yeah. said kind of bucking the trend, bucking the uh, uh, I guess conventional strategy as at a U.S. Open, you know, fairways and greens and getting up and down and, and staying out of trouble. And he was uber aggressive the whole week, and, and man, it paid off for him, uh, obviously. Uh, but yeah, really, really an interesting outcome. Uh, you know, talking to our guy Jay Till, uh, our, our resident golf sicko, earlier this week, you know, he 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 kind of felt like, man, maybe this opens it up now because this would have been the one tournament that you would have probably said that 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 system, that strategy would not work. And so, you know, he's probably the favorite going into the Masters now in a couple of months from now for sure. So it's going to be going to be interesting to watch that for sure. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what they do over the next five to 10 years on the golf course. You know, how many kids come up, start playing like Bryson DeChambeau, as opposed to your traditional um, thinking strategy and always being on on the fairways and the green and what they do with the technology of the golf balls and some of these drivers they're putting out there now. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, the the phrase you know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, was tiger proofing the course per se. But uh, you know, now I don't know if it's Bryson proofing or if it's just technology proofing the course. But uh, the, the way that these guys hit it, uh, I mean, it's it's almost just overpowering some of these uh, traditional PGA uh, venues. Yeah. So pretty pretty wild. But you know, kind of a, a good story from a local standpoint, Chad, is that you know, uh, U.S. Open runner up. Uh, or the the runner up I should say was that of uh, Matty Wolf, uh, Oklahoma State kid, uh, yeah. NCAA uh, individual individual national champ last year. So not a bad year for him, right? So you win the uh, NCAA individual championships last summer, and then here in the late summer you're you're finishing runner up. You're in the final pairing for the U.S. Open. Just 21 years old, um, you know, kind of a unique swing uh, for sure. But uh, fun Definitely. fun to fo- fun to watch him, fun to follow him, uh, given the local tie there and the connection. But man, what he's he's got a bit bright future ahead of him, I think, Chad. He really does, and I think you're going to start to see a DeChambeau-Wolf kind of rivalry here. We've kind of seen it on the tour this year with DeChambeau finishing one and, and Wolf finishing second, I believe a couple different times um, coming from behind. But, you know, Wolf, I, I can't I can't lie and say, you know, going from the third round to the fourth round, I actually thought he was going to pull it off. I thought he was a little young, obviously, 21 years old, going into Wingfoot, going in the U.S. Open. Like, I, you know, I'm always – I'm always kind of, um, you know, when you when you rank tournaments, so to speak. I mean, I know they they have them ranked in kind of soccer and everything, but I'm always interested to hear kind of the pros' perspective on what what major is the one you want to win. If you could win one, which is it? Is it the Masters? It stays at the same course every year. Is it the Open because it's the longest running one? Is it the U.S. Open? Like you know, and different golfers have different perspectives, and I'm wondering. You know, was the was the U.S. Open his holy grail? And hey, I'm 21, I can't really pull this off. And I think the only one we've really seen do that is probably Tiger. That he's he, he just had the gonads from the start to have it. Yeah, absolutely. A, a, a tough spot to be in, uh, so to be so young and be in that position. But you know, we we talked about uh, in the in the past about you know kind of this golden age of some of these young Oklahoma State golfers in particular, but yeah. just young golfers uh, in general, man. So you, you think about the Deshambos, the Wolfs, uh, the Xander Shoffleys, uh, you know, the Justin Thomases, just just kind of going down yeah. the list of these. They're relatively young guys, man, and uh, uh, and they're just they're tearing it up out there on the golf course. But I, I think golf is in good hands. You know. We we think about the transition of those eras and you know tiger and phil are, are getting you know, i think phil is actually 50 now i think he has he can play yep. on the champions tour if he wants and tiger's just a few years away from it but i'm, I'm really excited about the future of golf uh, i mean some of these guys are a little spicier right they, they give a little bit oh, more yeah. in sound bites and uh, you know Ooh. some of the rivalries and so i, I think that that's going to add to it uh, as we kind of move forward as well but uh, a lot of fun watching that tournament uh, again somewhat anticlimactic i guess down the stretch there yeah. as, as deshambo uh, kind of pulled away but uh, um, always fun watching in a, a U.S. Open on a Sunday afternoon for sure. So enjoyed that. But, well, Chad, we're talking about wild finishes and, and finishes that you didn't really have any idea what was going to happen until the final moments. Man, we got to talk a little bit about some of the NFL action this week. My goodness. Uh, I, we have to start with my uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, in, in, in the finish that, uh, that they had, 40-39 uh, to 39 against the, uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that was an absolute... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, Chad. How in the hell did the Cowboys come back and win that game first and foremost? Break it down I don't for know. me. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's crazy to me. You know, at one point the Cowboys were down 15 with like four minutes left in the game. Um, I saw one gambler in Vegas put four, 35 grand on the money line live action for the Falcons uh, to only win 1,500 and ended up losing 35 grand, which oh. is terrible for him. Oh. But at some point, like, okay, I, I get it. They come down, they get a trash. Um, 
you know, touchdown and um, two point conversion and, and, and all that and going for it. But I mean, honestly, the, the onside kick, I just, I don't see how, you know, you've got three players that uh, one of them's a pro bowler um, just staring at the ball as it crosses the 10 yard line. And you've got, what's weird about it is you see the Cowboys in the video, huddle around the ball and follow it till it gets to that 10 yard line. And the Falcons players are just kind of watching them like, ah, I, I don't know. We'll just kind of canoe. What is this rugby? I, I'm not really sure. And <laughs> you jump on it. We jump on you and the game's over. Like, no, it's, uh, it's just terrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed to be a, an abject failure from a special teams coaching standpoint, uh, all, all the way around for the Falcons. And so, you know, it was really, it was an interesting onside kick. You know, he, yeah. uh, Zerline just, there's no T involved. He just lays the ball flat and just kicks the side of the ball and puts this weird, wicked spin on the ball, you know, kind of the rotation of it. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, the Falcons could have just pounced on it. It seemed like, you know, as you watch the replay, watching it live first and foremost, but as you watch the replay, it felt like an eternity that the ball was just sitting there oh, spinning. Yeah. That someone could have jumped on it, and then obviously, as soon as it crosses that ten-yard mark, uh, the Cowboys pounce on it, and it's too late. Then uh, one big completion from Dak to C.D. Lamb gets the Cowboys in field goal range. They run Zeke up the middle a couple of times to set the ball up and uh, milk the clock, and then uh, Zerline you know bangs it in as time expires. Yeah, but, uh, I, I know at one point in time on the ESPN, you know they kind of track the the winning odds right at any given point in time uh, in oh, the yeah. game, and it was ninety-nine point nine percent that the Falcons would win that game. Yeah. The win probability at yeah, you know, seven minutes, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter or whatever. It I was. thought that after the yeah. first quarter when it was twenty nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they're just, gonna they're gonna fire Mike McCarthy three games into this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's you know, I was texting with some other Cowboys fans as soon as that game was over with. After you know, my heart rate came down and kind of decompressed yeah. for a moment, was you know I think the only question is do do you fire the Falcons coaching staff immediately or do you wait until Monday morning till you get back yeah. to Atlanta? <laughs> and no no news on that front. But yeah, no. that was just one of those losses that were completely seemed to be completely preventable from a coaching standpoint and yeah. uh, and, and it, it just fell apart for him so but the and Falcons I, I do think the Falcons coach is on the hot seat yeah, you know yeah. especially after the Super Bowl collapse now this collapse um I and honestly maybe the Cowboys saved their season right now obviously going 0-2 uh wouldn't have been good but you know, maybe maybe this creates a spark and maybe creates some kind of momentum for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talking about you know momentum, they have a big game this Sunday, and we'll get to that one here in a moment against the Seahawks. But before yeah. we get to that one, Chad, let's talk about what the Seahawks did Sunday night against the Patriots. Uh, a fun game to watch there, 35-30, the final score. And what is it about the Pats and the Seahawks that these games kind of boil down to you know some sort of crazy yarder. finish on the one-yard oh. line, man? So, But uh, uh, your, your thoughts on that game. Again, Seahawks pull it out, but uh, a really fun, exciting game to watch I think both those teams are gonna be pretty good Chad yeah and 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 that's where I want to start is like I expected it from the Seahawks to 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 play well I did not expect the Patriots to play well in this one I think the Vegas line was uh four I ended up taking the Seahawks so I did get a winner but I had to sweat it a whole lot more than I did but you figure the Patriots uh basically playing what I would call a veteran team flying over from the northeast to the northwest you know, maybe now you've got some film on Cam Newton that Pete uh, Carroll can throw into the film room and all that. I expected to, the, you know, I honestly expected C- Seattle to win by double digits. And um, when it came down there to the last possession, I was starting to get starting to get nervous. But I think it was kind of the same thing with Atlanta and, and Dallas. With about five, six minutes left, it was still a 10, um, you know, a, a double-digit ball game. But I expected it to end there and not be so 
oh my gosh, oh, uh, you know, oh, only Cam yeah. has to get one yard and they win this game 36-35. Yeah, uh, and and I'm with you. I, I had the Seahawks as well, although the game script didn't play out the way that I thought. I had the under in this game because I really thought that yeah. you know, the Patriots would try to ugly the game up and, and try to slow the pace of play, you know, given all the weapons that Russell Wilson has on uh, on at his disposal for the Seahawks. Yeah. And I was wrong, man. So this was a high-scoring affair. Again, the, the over was certainly the play here. And I don't know. It seems, you know, the trends the, uh, through the first two weeks of the NFL, Chad, seems to be a lot of points being scored. I think there's been a lot of overs thus far. At least it just feels that way to me. But. It, it it really has. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if that's just like a, a lack of defensive time in the film room to look at everything because of the shortened season. Um, but uh, who knows? And that's a scary thing right now with Belichick and kind of some of the weapons that he's got with Cam is – does he now feel he can score with any team? I know the last couple of years with Brady, he was kind of dipping and dunking it just to put it, set up his defense to win these 20 to 17 games, 20 to 14, whatever. Does he feel like it now he can open up an arsenal? Cause let's be honest, the first two games, Cam's arms looked good. Yes. Um, it's, it's looked strong. It's looked accurate. And so, they can push the ball a little bit further down the field now. They've got, they've always got a bevy of running backs. They've got the no-name wide receivers that just execute. Um, and now you've got a quarterback that's mobile. So I'm wondering if, like you said, you know, they maybe the game plan was to ugly it up, or if Belichick's going anti-Belichick and saying, no, no, now I can score with anybody. Yeah, I think I think there's something to that. I I, I would think you 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 uh, put some truth serum into Belichick. I think he may like this offense a little bit more. I think the flexibility yeah. and the options that they have, and and you know with with the goat with Brady, you know at the helm for the last few years, you know they've been so disciplined and so you know kind of kind of like a clockwork robotic in the sense yeah. of how they go go totally. about winning these games and, and pulling out these close games. But now you know maybe there's a little bit of freedom there, and so so maybe maybe. Belichick, uh, you know, again, he's a great coach and, and he was working within the system or, or work, working with the players that would fit within a particular system there, but maybe he's freed up a little bit now. But yeah, there, I came away from that game, I think, a little bit more impressed with the Pats. Uh, uh, than than maybe what totally. I would have thought otherwise. Like, ooh, I think both these teams are pretty good. So so maybe yeah. the, the reign of terror <laughs> that Belichick and the Pats have Thank on the you. AFC East, it may not be over with just yet, Chad. So. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, well, we're talking about uh, AFC, staying in the AFC, another exciting game Sunday afternoon, uh, Chiefs and Chargers. And, and this one was kind of wild, Chad, because, you know, the news broke right before kickoff that Tyrod Taylor had an injury uh, and, and Justin Herbert was going to get his first start as, a, as an NFL quarterback. And the kid looked good. And the Chargers, uh, just like so many other games down the stretch for the Chiefs here in the playoffs last year in the Super Bowl, the Chargers kept that Chiefs offense under wraps for three and a half quarters, and and then the Chiefs flip the script on them uh, and are able to cut, tie the game up, send it to overtime, and then win with a 58-yard field goal uh, from from Butker uh, to win that game 23-20. Uh, but kind of a wild game here, and this one, you know, definitely didn't go the way that I thought. I thought the Chiefs would uh, would easily handle this game, but Chargers might be scrappy, man. I thought Herbert looked good. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with Herbert. Now the news coming out about Tyrod Taylor, about him suffering an injury, uh, a wild, from friendly fire, yeah, I guess you say, situation. Uh, from the the team doctor. But uh, I'm kind of with you. Like, I felt like this was a letdown game from the Chiefs. I You know, I definitely had the Chiefs minus nine. I thought they'd win by a couple touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, looking back on it, you could probably see um, some some holes in it. You know, they they first, uh, they, they get up big for Texans. You know, obviously it's the first game of the season. Uh, it's a Thursday night game. You've got the two marquee quarterbacks in the league and Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes going at it. Maybe they little over-prepared a little bit uh, as opposed to 
you know, this was just, hey, Chargers, um, we're going to just kind of sleepwalk through this because we usually do um, on this side of it. Um, So that's where I kind of thought that game in. It's almost like the Chargers surprised him a little bit and definitely Herbert surprised. I mean, he looked good. I think he's 22 of 33. Over 300 yards passing, through a TD, rush for a TD. Like the kid looked good, and I don't know how you go back to Tyrod at this point. Yeah, and and uh, you know it's it's interesting because you know listening to the post game comments, I don't think Herbert knew he was going to start until about 15 20 minutes before kickoff, man. So you know Tyrod was going to be the guy, and, and you mentioned that that kind of a crazy freak injury from the team doctor. You know they had thought they had a rib injury, uh, was going to give him an injection for for kind of a local anesthetic for pain purposes. And yeah, oh, damn, the, I guess the needle went too deep and punctured his lung, <laughs> as the reports that's coming out. He had trouble breathing, and it's like my goodness. So you know I you know ho- hopefully he's going to be okay. I think he is going to be okay little question marks as to whether or not he's going to be back in time this Sunday for the Chargers yeah. but <laughs> the, the doctor has to feel awful first and foremost because you have to assume, I mean it's obviously an accident but man how, how does that happen Chad <laughs> Keith w- one question do you fire him right there or do you wait till Monday morning <laughs> yeah, exactly. to fire him? <laughs> like it's, oh, God, I, I just don't know how that happens. Like I, I understand you're doing so much and so little and there's there's margin for error and, and anything absolutely but you're a doctor just admitting like a cortisone shot for a rib and you go all the way through to the lung. Like, <laughs> Think back to that old, uh, old clip from the movie like, Screams. Like, oh, I can't have to yeah. feel a little woozy. I think you cut me kind of deep. So it's like, you know, Tyrod's there man. struggling to breathe. It's like, I don't think something's working here, man. So, this ain't working. Oh, uh, but this you know, again, hopefully he, he's going to be fine, I think. So again, may, may not be able uh, to, to play this weekend. So maybe Herbert uh, gets a, gets another start. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, wild, wild story. And, you know, fall Following that trend, Chad, you know, I think one of the overarching stories from week two was just the rash of injuries. And my goodness, yeah. it was super duper stars, man. So you have Saquon Barkley going out with an ACL. You have Nick Bosa from the 49ers. Um, you have uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with an ankle sprain. You have, uh, you know, I'm trying to just remember the, the entire list. Christian going, McCaffrey. Yeah, McCaffrey with a high ankle sprain that they say he's going to be out three to three, four, maybe five weeks there. Yep. Uh, I mean, just a, from a fantasy perspective, it, it certainly uh, uh, hinders a lot. You, you know, a whole lot of drafts went down in flames, I think, uh, Sunday afternoon, unfortunately, for fantasy purposes. But for gambling perspective as well, a lot of things up in the air right now, man. Hard to hard to understand or hard, hard to know and predict who's going to be picking up those rep, reps for some of those superstar players that went down for injuries in week two. Right, and you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the hardest things to predict in the NFL and actually quantitate is war. You know, the wins above replacement like we have so much in basketball and baseball. But football is such, such an 11-man game, and, you know, they they almost take the Henry Ford approach that just plug in and play, you know, just really uh, rinse and repeat. But those players, they're just so explosive, and that's the overarching theme, right, is, hey, the players wanted no preseason. Well, maybe you're not in the tip-top shape that you need, and with as explosive as you go um, on each one of these plays, something's snapping. And I I just feel that these players aren't in the best shape right now with the whole pandemic and also the limited training camp, and I think you're going to have situations like this continue to go. Um, And I think think this year is going to be about attrition. It's going to be a war of attrition. Whoever can stay healthy, I think, is the one you got to look towards at the end. Um, I look at players – I hate to say it, but someone like a Lamar Jackson is just a tweak of an ankle away too from the the Ravens going down. Um, So it's just situations like that that uh, it'll be hard for Vegas to put some lines out there, and we're going to try and help you navigate 
each one of those and uh, give you some picks along the way that we see value. Yeah, that that has to be, you know, what causation and correlation, you know, you, we're not not quite certain as to, you know, what what may be some of the uh, these these issues here, but I mean, that's going to be the story, right? People are going to be pointing towards an abbreviated training camp, no preseason games, you know, are the players really really ready uh, from a, from a health and safety standpoint. And so, you know, ACLs are always kind of a freak thing, right? So we, we yep. saw, you know, oftentimes it's non-contact, right? So a guy's just going in, planning, making a cut, uh, not not hit, not tackled in any way, shape, or form, and and have one of those injuries. But uh, um, that that certainly uh, seems to be, you know, perhaps again, maybe a little causation correlation. We'll see how it plays out yep. uh, for the first uh, uh, first or for the next few weeks, I should say, kind of moving down the road. But uh, yeah, tough break on that front. And and again, uh, you hate to see anybody get injured, but but certainly those guys at that caliber. I mean, again, superstars uh, that that are so impactful for their teams. And you know, we talk about you know teams that might be snake bit. My goodness, the 49ers. I mean, God. Lee, how many just countless injuries through the first couple of weeks in preseason for yep. them? And, you know, we, we, we mentioned it uh, in our premiere episode a few weeks ago whenever we were kind of making our preseason predictions. Uh, man, I, you know, that hangover from a team that was in the Super Bowl the previous year but didn't win it, you know, oftentimes they don't make the playoffs and there's kind of a, you know, again, a hangover there. But I mean, there's a fall year. Yeah, Lee. I mean, these injuries, this was just unpredictable. And I don't think yeah. the 49ers couldn't have saw this coming for sure. But. Yeah, definitely, definitely wild there. Well, well, moving on to basketball, Chad. So, um, you know, big game last night, uh, game four of the Eastern Conference Finals in your Miami Heat, Chad. They they solidified their grip on that uh, that that Eastern Conference uh, with a one twelve one oh nine win. They lead the series now three to one. Your thoughts on that? You know, Tatum, you know, uh, comes out and lays a goose egg in the first half and tries to make up for it in the second half. You know, and ends yeah. up with twenty eight points. But I think the story, the hero of this game, was was that of Tyler Hero, right? So, but uh, yeah. uh, the Heat one game away from making the uh, the NBA Finals. Man, your thoughts here. Absolutely. And it, what you're seeing, uh, it, I keep going back to this whole talent versus tenacity thing. Like, I, you know, I expect the Celtics to still put up a fight, but again, they may just be too young and they may not have that bounce back that they need. I mean, like we've seen this this year, the Nuggets, how solidified they are as a team um, came up and uh, when they need to throw some haymakers, they've thrown some haymakers, but my goodness, the Miami Heat stars are just coming out. I mean, and I, I don't want to say just stars coming out. I want to say lesser known role players that are becoming stars. And I'm going to be honest, I did not realize how good Goran Dragic was. I always knew he was a pretty good point guard, but I, I still looked at the Miami Heat as one of those to where it's like, you know what, we could put a trade package together with Chris Paul, maybe Gallinari, ship him off to Miami, and we take back uh, Goran Dragic and his contract, maybe like a, a Jay Crowder and his contract, and then maybe get a couple guys like uh, Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo or something like that. That was before the season. Now the season's played out, and there's, I don't I don't know if Miami wants him anymore. I mean, I would sit there and say, like, look, no, we like our team right now. Like, Adebayo's grown up. Uh, Tyler Hero looks like an absolute superstar. Jimmy Butler's always going to be there. Um, And I just, man, it is a fun team to watch, and they play well together. Uh, Jay Crowder has been great in that starting lineup. Goran Dragic is just like the steady Eddie point guard for them. Um, And then they get buckets, it seems like, from uh, somebody else every time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hero, you know, uh, 37 points off the bench from a rookie – I mean, if you're having that type of offensive production off the bench, I mean, my my goodness, I mean, the, the yeah. depth that they have, 
Uh, and they're able to come at teams in waves and, uh, and and come up with with interesting you know lineup combinations as well. But yeah, yeah, Drogic, you know, he's been doing it for such a long time, and it's kind of always been to a certain degree under the radar, right? You'd mentioned he's never Absolutely. broke into that you know super top tier of point guards. He's never been in that discussion with yeah. the uh, the CP threes and uh, and the Russell Westbrooks and those guys. But you know, he's a wily veteran now, man. And he just finds a way to get it done, and he's so slippery, you know, kind of getting to the bucket yeah. and kind of contorting his body uh, to to get that left hand uh, those those runners up in the uh, uh, in the paint and stuff, but yeah, they're they're one game away. You know, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not ready to say they're going to close it out in Game Five just yet. I think the Celtics may bounce back. And and you know, talk you thought that you know maybe Gordon Hayward's return and he looked pretty good. You know, in Game Three yeah. coming back there and it actually swung it. You know, I think the Celtics were favored last night, a, a small favorite. In they that were one. three and a half um, points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you, you you thought maybe Hayward's return maybe tipped the scales back in the Celtics' favor a little bit, but the Heat come back. Uh, they they figure out the Rubik's cube. You know, they 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 they, they uh, solve the puzzle and and are able to take a big commanding lead in that yeah. one. But uh, and yeah, I think it's I think it's just effort. I mean, honestly, a lot of this defensive effort they've got going on is just throwing at guys like Tatum to where all of a sudden you get it, you lay a goose egg in the first half because it is just overwhelming pressure. Um, so credit to the Heat and. I, I still continue to find heat uh, value uh, in the Heat throughout this whole series. I think they've been fa- they've been the dog every single game, and the only one they haven't covered is Game Three. So, um, well done, Heat. Yeah, absolutely. You you think Vegas has to catch up, or at least the public has to catch up at some point, right? Yeah. You say, hey, no, this team's really good, gang. So they're one they're one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So, uh, but we'll jump it across the other side, Chad. Um, you know, Lakers Nuggets tonight. Lakers a six point favorite. The total on this one, uh, 215. Uh, you know, Nuggets, they they had to win game three. They were able to pull it out. So, so Lakers lead 2 1 here. Uh, you know, I want to root for the Nuggets here. You know, kind of a similarly yeah. structured team for the Heat, Chad. You know, they're fun to root for. Jamal Murray, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're, 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 they're fun to watch from a basketball purist standpoint yeah. as well. But, any way that the Nuggets are able to win tonight and get back into this series, or do the Lakers, do they take a commanding lead in the West and uh, win this game and go up 3-1 tonight? I actually think Nuggets do get back here. I, I I love the mindset that the Nuggets have. Like, you know, if you hear them talk, they still sit there and mad at themselves for losing game two, which, hey, an Anthony Davis game-winning three-pointer yeah, away, three. they, they've got it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – and I'll, a lot of people have said, well, you know, game three was kind of a fluke. You know, the, the Lakers let one get away. It's like a pitcher up, you know, 0-2. You throw a curveball in the dirt just to – kind of get see if you can get one chase and swing it or take a take a pitch off but i i still sit there like the nuggets have this puncher's mentality and now for two straight games the the last second loss and then this game three they've looked good they've looked good and they've they've uh, they've counterpunched to the Lakers. Um, you know, Jokic just giving them fits, just absolutely fits on, you know, this Euro step and this footwork that he's got. He's he's just not a traditional American player or American center, athletic center. He, he He's just tough, hard-nosed. He makes off-centered shots, and we always see these European players do well against this, um, you know, American mindset. If you look at, you know, Luka Doncic or your Dirk Nowitzki, now you're you're Jokic. Like they can just they can have their way with them. They're they're very mental. Um, they're not fast moving. They get to the spot on the floor of where they want to shoot a shot, and they're able to get that shot off. Um, so I you know I I do like the Nuggets. I think Jamal Murray is better than any guard uh, the Lakers have, and you know I think it's it's Lakers have to go small to keep up with them. So 
I, I'll take the Nuggets and okay. the points. I like it. And you think back to the trend of the first two rounds too, Chad. You know the Nuggets fell behind in both of those series, right against yeah. the Jazz. They're not uh, and scared. Then, and then the Clips. You know they they've been in this position before, falling behind, and then they found a way to come back and, and win both of those series as well. And so yeah, the the mentality that that team has, it's it's never say die. And yeah, you mentioned you know Jokic as a center, just a guy that he's he's too skilled to be a seven foot center. It feels like, you know, his passing yeah. ability, his, his ability, his bas- basketball IQ and be able to space the floor and, and find the open guy as well. Uh, a super skilled big man for sure. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. You, you know, you're breathing life into me, Chad, you know, I, I, as from a, from a basketball gambling standpoint, you know, I, I, I typically hate, although I did have the heat on the money line last night. So I think yeah. I got, but got plus 40, nice. I think it was all said and done. So, so got a couple units on that one. So, uh, but you know, this, the six point, uh, uh, you know, spread, it always kind of spooks me a little bit because it's like, well, you know, how, how is this going to play out? You know, I want to, I want to bet the Nuggets oh, with yeah. my heart, but you know, do the Lakers get out and, you know, or is there always a room for, you know, kind of a, the greasy backdoor cover there as well with, you know, free throws down the stretch as oh, well. Yeah. But uh, uh, you may have talked me into it. I may, I may go with the Nugs tonight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to even that series up uh, just from a, from a neutral standpoint to get a couple extra games out of that series. So, but well, Chad, you know, Moving ahead to this weekend, college football, what what we would consider perhaps maybe the real opening weekend of college football. I know we've had three weeks yep. and kind of a, a an abbreviated schedule, but you know the SEC conference play kicks off, the Big Twelve conference play kicks off, and then you know some big news this week. Um, you know, obviously last week, uh, right when we were recording, uh, the Big Ten had announced that they were going to you know come back and uh, and play uh, kind of an abbreviated schedule, eight games in eight weeks, and start on October twenty fourth. You know, the Big Ten releases their schedule. Uh, this past week, um, and, and man, the Huskers, they were the one clamoring for football and, and really kind of bitching about that decision <laughs> to cancel. Back. Well, they got all they can ask for, man. So they, they get the two best teams from the other division here in Ohio State Aww. and Penn State. But, you know, any anything kind of jump out to you from a Big Ten schedule standpoint before we talk about some of the games that are actually going to be played this weekend in the SEC and the Big 12? So let's talk about how scary good Yes, Halloween's going to be this year. Oh, yeah. So the Big Ten comes out with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, those are kind of the fun marquee games. You're going to have Texas OSU, which I think will be a fun one by that time. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to Halloween and the weirdness of, hey, it's Halloween. We got to wear a mask. So they wear some type of outrageous mask. There's some fans at the field. It's, it's already been a crazy year, so I can't imagine it getting crazier, but I think, I think the, the scary good weekend of Halloween. Yeah. It's gay. You, you mentioned that big game, you know, Ohio state, Penn state there, you know, week two, week two from their perspective. Right. And so, you know, I, I was, I was kind of, no. I was interested to see, you know, I didn't know if they would keep the traditional rivalry games, you know, towards the end. Cause there was a lot of talk that, Hey, look, we don't know how many games we're going to get in. We might try to front load the schedule, but it's yeah. nice to see that, you know, Ohio state, Michigan still, still the last game, right. That's going to be played still on, ended it. Yep. on December 12th and, and some of those other traditional rivalries. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn state and Michigan state, for the land grant trophy and so uh purdue and indiana uh in the in that last weekend slot as well and you know one 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 schedule nuance that kind of popped out to me chad and a team that we might want to keep an eye on is that of the purdue boilermakers you know they avoid all the big boys from the other division in the east so no penn state no ohio state no michigan uh and so they get indiana a rivalry game in the final week and they get rutgers from the east and so you know i i would have to go back and see what the the futures line on purdue is right now yeah but i would like to i would maybe hedge towards the over just from a scheduling nuance standpoint but uh, that that kind of popped out to me that if the if 
if Nebraska was the loser in this re- revamp schedule matrix, I think Purdue may be the winner when it's all said and okay. done. But uh, but we'll we'll see what happens Good insight there. there. Yeah yeah yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But let's talk about the games that are going to happen this weekend, Chad. So we got got a heavy slate of college football. Again, we mentioned that the SEC is back in play. They're going to open up conference play, uh, the Big Twelve as well. Uh, but you know, before we get to that, Chad, let, let's let's start Thursday night, right? So the the, the game tonight uh, from an NFL perspective. Dolphins plus three at the Jags, kind of a battle of Florida here. Uh, total yep. in this one is 48 right now, but any any thoughts about Thursday night NFL action, Dolphins and Jags? I've been impressed with the Jags, man. I'm not going to get off the train. It's at the Jaguars. I'm on the Minshew bandwagon. You know, he's playing for a contract, and he's playing for a situation of don't take Trevor Lawrence number one overall. Um, I think the Dolphins are just biding time at this point to give it to Tua. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of great facial hair at the quarterback position in this game oh, yeah. tonight too. Minshew with the uh, with the stash, and then uh, Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins with the uh, the full full grown man beard there. But I, I'm going to go opposite with you here, Chad. And I know okay. I've been a Jaguars hater, right? So they've proven me wrong. Even in the loss this weekend against the Titans, they were they were competitive, man. That was a 33-30 yeah. game there. Titans are you know pretty salty team, play good defense, run the ball, and they're two and zero now. Uh, but I give me the Dolphins. Uh, just a weird short week on a Thursday, oh, yeah. right? So those, there are weird things that happen on those Thursday night games. Uh, and, and again, I'm not Jaguars win this one, and they're and they're impressive, and they look good. You know, maybe I'll I'll, I'll change my tune on that one, but I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the points in this one. So, uh, well, well, getting ahead to college football. Saturday action. Again, let's start in the SEC. Uh, a couple of ranked teams here, Chad. Uh, the Kentucky Wildcats, number 23, getting eight points as they go down to Auburn to take on number eight Auburn. Total in this one, 47 and a half. Uh, Kentucky kind of a, a little bit of a sneaky pick in the SEC. A lot of SEC uh, experts are, are thinking Kentucky might have a really good team this year, but your thoughts on Wildcats and Tigers in this uh, SEC opener? Yeah, and you go back to everybody thinks Kentucky's going to be sneaky good. I Well, my dark horse national title pick is Auburn. So I'm going to take Auburn wow, here at I like home. Um, giving up the eight points. I think they come out. I think their D kind of shuts down Kentucky. Kentucky has never been built on being able to come back. And I think if Auburn throws a couple haymakers there early, it, it's going to be a non-factor. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you think the quarterback at Auburn, Bo Nix, you know, was a freshman last yep. year, uh, really, you know, start, started to progress, and, and you could see, you know, the flashes of him, you know, maybe not from a, a big-time fantasy, college fantasy perspective, but I think he's just a scrappy quarterback. I think he finds a way to, to get it done, and we think about, you know, those quarterbacks will typically make a big leap from the first year to the second year, and so I'm with yeah. you on this one. I, I like Auburn to cover. I'm not seeing it for Kentucky. I hope I'm wrong. You know, get, get the Stoops yeah. connection there, Mark Stoops, and, uh, and he's done – a fantastic job over the last three years, right? What what yeah. he was able to do to take that team to a bowl game last year with essentially having you know Lynn Bowden run a, a split T, kind of a triple <laughs> option uh, after a quarterback Terry Wilson went down early in the season with an injury. Wilson's back this year, and so we'll see if that kind of helps uh, balance that uh, Kentucky Wildcat offense out. But I'm with you. I like Auburn in this one. And I like them to cover the spread. So um, next uh, two two ranked teams, at least from an AP poll perspective, Chad. You know, number 24 Louisville coming off a, a tough loss uh, at home. Yep. Against the Canes Saturday night. They're getting three and a half points at Pitt, number 21 Pitt. Total in this one, 52 and a half. I don't know what to think about Pitt yet. So they beat up on Austin P and blow it out and then win ugly against Syracuse this past Saturday, Chad. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on this game? 
Well, I, you say that about Pittsburgh. I say that about Louisville is, you know, we've had them ranked and then all of a sudden they, you know, they barely get by a Western Kentucky team, barely cover. Then that Western Kentucky team goes out and lays an egg against Georgia State the next week. And then, like you said, they come in and um, against Miami. And I personally don't think Miami's almost a top 10 team. I think we've got them 12 or 11th in the the coaches and AP poll this week. But I personally don't see it. I know they've got a new quarterback and, um, you know, Manny Diaz is there in his second or third year. I just don't think Louisville's all that great. Um, but I don't think Louisville, I don't think Pitt's all that great either. Um, this would probably be one I'd stay away from, but if you're going to force me to do it, I'm going to take the traditional uh, power in Louisville and get in the three and a half points. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That Pitt team, again, and you're right. Both these teams might be a, a, a little schizo right now, right? I, we don't, we don't know what we're getting mm-hmm. with either one of them. You know, I like the offensive power that Louisville has. They, they just have yeah. stars at all the skilled positions there. I, I don't know that that defense is any good. Pitt's defense has looked solid through the first two weeks. Again, I think yeah. level of competition is a question, but, but maybe this is a, this is an imposter game, right? This is a find out yeah. game, right? Whoever comes out and wins this game, it's like, well, that team might be okay. But yeah, you know, you Saturday afternoon at, at Chalk Chad, you had to have a come to Jesus talk with me, and that my my Western <laughs> Kentucky Hilltoppers, you know, who I picked uh, in the in Conference USA, they they might not be any good, Chad. I think I think that's a fair assessment at this point. So yeah, that Ooh. loss to Liberty, um, you know, Liberty that Malik, Malik Willis, they looked a little, they had some juice to them, but that's a game that if if you're Western Kentucky and Coach Ty Helton there, uh, they should have won that game. And so yeah, I I you may be right. Western Kentucky may not be any good, and by the commutative property, Louisville may not be quite as good as what we thought either. So we'll yeah. we'll see how that game turns out and uh, and whether uh, one of these teams kind of uh, asserts themselves and uh, and shows who their true colors are. But, uh, you know, coming back locally, Chad, 11 a.m. Rooster kickoff on Fox. Uh, my Oklahoma Sooners, number three ranked uh, Sooners taking on Kansas State, uh, giving the Wildcats 27 to 27 and a half, depends on which book you're looking at. Total on this one, 60 points, roughly, uh, give or take. But uh, your thoughts on Sooners and Wildcats? Obviously, K-State got them last year, Chad, but uh, your thoughts on this one? I don't think 40 is enough. <laughs> Honestly, like I think o- OU comes out here and rolls um, on this one. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think you're taking, they'll take the foot off the gas at like 54 to 3 or 54 to 10, something like that. Um, but I think Spencer Rattler and this offense just roll over K State. Yeah, you would think that. Uh... The Sooners, uh, K State will have the Sooners full attention this weekend after yes. what happened last year. Again, you know that wild uh, come from behind. You know they they came all the way back and uh, you know uh, but for a, a, a legal touching, early touching on an onside yep. kick, you know the Sooners may have won that game. But uh, you know fell in a deep hole early, turnovers and silly mistakes. Uh, you, you would think that uh, that they will be ready for this one for sure. And again, you know, uh, the K-State Wildcats, you know, that was one of my surprise picks, uh, uh, teams that I thought might, might overachieve this year. Uh, yeah. uh, Chris Kleiman, I, I think he's a good coach. I still like the project and what he's investing and what he's building there. But, you know, they were hammered by COVID issues early in camp and all throughout camp. And, you know, there's I've heard a little bit of scuttlebutt, Chad, that this game is somewhat tenuous. You know, they're hoping that by yeah. Friday, both of these teams are able to meet the Big 12 protocols to have enough uh, players available. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there we'll have to keep an eye on that but uh, hoping that that game uh, 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 takes place the, the conference home opener for the Sooners and uh, I'm, I'm with you I think assuming the game gets played I like Oklahoma to cover the spread here as well but yep uh, going back to the SEC a game that I'm I'm really intrigued by Chad and so number five Florida uh, 14 point favorite give or take depending on what book you're getting it at going down to take on new coach Lane Kiffin in uh, yep. the Ole Miss Rebels, a total on this one 60, but Gators and Rebels, who do you like in this one, Chad? 
Well, it, it's an interesting storyline, right? I mean, everybody loves to hate Lane Kiffin. And I, I honestly, I think maybe the tide's turning a little bit. Like, he was just so hated there for a couple years um, that he goes down to Florida Atlantic. He actually he backs off some of his statements. He actually does well. His players enjoy playing for him. He has a wide-open offense. Like, hey, maybe that's fun. You know, and you look at Ole Miss, and, you know, they haven't traditionally – always had that you know they've had some some good running backs there but it's always been traditional powerhouse football um you know what i'm i'm gonna go out on the line i'm gonna take old miss on this one i'm gonna stick at home you know um florida always seems to come out and disappoint um there from the start of the season but i'm, I'm gonna take old miss and the points here yeah gators gators the last few years have been slow starters for sure so kind of kind of struggled in some of those early games and uh i think you know kentucky is last year year before last kind of kind of you know, pipped them in, a, in an early conference game yep. their first time kentucky had beat them in you know, 20 years or something like that so um I like Ole Miss to cover the spread. I'm with you. I, and again, if you get if you can get the hook at 14 and a half, right. that's probably really good. But somewhere in that 14 By range, a point here yeah, too, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think Florida wins the game, but I think Ole Miss, you know, trickeration, all the kind of crazy Lane Kiffin stuff that he's known for, yep. and that that Ole Miss team has talent, right? So we think you know Jerry and Ely, Jerry and Ely at running back. They have the two quarterbacks, a Corral and and uh, John Reese Plumley. Uh, I think they have some talent, um, and they put a lot of guys in the NFL over the last few years as well. So I don't think the cupboards bare from a recruiting standpoint. So I think maybe the talent edge here is a little closer than what most people might think, knowing that the Florida traditional power uh, and obviously a, a hotbed in recruiting there. But uh, yeah. I'm with you. I, li- I like the Rebs to cover the spread here a little closer than the experts think, but I like Florida to win the game. Well, moving back to the Big 12, Chad, your Texas Longhorns, number eight ranked, uh, 16 and a half points. I've seen it as high as 17, again, depending upon the book, heading out west to take on Texas Tech and Lubbock. The total here, somewhere around 69, 70 points, give or t- I think it's inching up. So so experts yeah. are expecting a lot of points in this one. But uh, how do you think uh, your Longhorns are going to fare uh, out west in Lubbock against the Red Raiders? I kind of look at this one the same way I look at OU and Kansas State is, you know, I don't think 30 points is enough. I think Texas comes out here and rolls. I think there's only two teams in the Big Ten or Big 12. Um, Texas Tech coming off a disappointing, I believe it was Houston Bible. Yeah, Houston Baptist. Up, uh, yeah, Dallas yeah. Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Houston Baptist. They ended up winning by a touchdown there in the final seconds. But I, I expect Texas to roll, to continue looking good here. I think I, I expect the over to hit. I think Texas will put up 50, and I think, you know, Texas Tech will get 21 um, here and there with some trash touchdowns and all that. But um, I, I, I'm not as sold on the over as I am minus 17 points. I think they win by a good three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ellinger, uh, you know, we saw his performance in, in that first week, uh, two weeks ago against UTEP. Yeah. Uh, and again, level level of competition. But I, I think you could see that there was a point to get him out of the gate strong. He threw the ball a lot. Uh, I think you'll see him maybe run the ball a few more times yeah. this this week. So I, I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if he gets a couple of rushing touchdowns because he's just such a focal point of that offense. But I'm with you. I like the horns to roll in this one. And I – Again, I, I think both the, the uh, Sooners and Longhorns are just on a collision course. I think they're both going to roll through these early games uh, until we get to October 10th here in, here in a few weeks, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, down in the Cotton Bowl for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think yep. there's those two teams are probably a lot better than everybody else, at least what we've seen uh, through the first couple of weeks for sure. So, well, staying in the Big 12 chat, an interesting game here. Uh, we have West Virginia coming to Stillwater to take on number 15-ranked Oklahoma State. Uh, Mountaineers getting eight and a half points. Again, uh, roughly eight points, depending upon the book. Total on this one's 55, but 
we don't know who's going to start at quarterback for Oklahoma State, Chad. So uh, OSU yeah. uh, avoids uh, uh, the upset against TU on Saturday. And again, it, it sucked that Spencer Sanders goes out on essentially the first uh, offensive series. But uh, um, you know that one's a lot of question marks surrounding this game for sure. Tons, tons of question marks surrounding it. And it's how you know how strong is this Oklahoma team mentally? Um, I look at you know they're you've got a hierarchy of that may not necessarily like Mike Gundy after his whole off season, how hard are the players actually playing for him? You know, uh, all of that. And I think they can write the ship. I really do. But I, I think Gundy's had a, a ton of drama that surrounded him since his time in Stillwater. I expect a letdown year from Oklahoma state. I, I really do. I actually think West Virginia goes in, gets the win here. Everybody gets off the Oklahoma state bandwagon as it is uh, for the start of the year. And I think you start to see a crumbling of the castle there in Stillwater. And I think this will be Mike Gundy's last year there. Wow. Big, big, uh, big projections, big, big predictions there for sure. Chad. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. I like I like this game to be close. I like West Virginia to cover the spread. So if I'm going to get that hook at eight, eight and a half, uh, give me the Mountaineers here to keep it close. Just because of the question marks, right? We don't, yeah. we don't know, um, you know, what's going to happen at quarterback. You know, I thought the Illingsworth kid, whenever he came in late in that TU game, he kind of gave him a spark. Uh, and wouldn't shock me if he's the guy that uh, that plays uh, on Saturday. But you know, true freshman. A uh, short week of practice, I should, a short week, but just one week of practice, probably taking the majority yeah. of the snaps, assuming that that's, that's going to be the case. Um, and then West Virginia looked good, you know, and their, uh, yeah. their opener uh, against Eastern Kentucky, that offense uh, put up a ton of points. And, again, level of competition, I know. But uh, I think Neil Brown's a good coach out there. And, uh, yeah, I like the Mountaineers to keep this one close. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, not going to be so bold to pick the upset, but I, I do think that they cover the spread here. <laughs> I like so, the points. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, going back to the SEC, Chad, the, the two, you know, arguably, maybe the two top teams in the SEC. Let's, let's take a look at them. And, and they get some maybe easier games from a conference play standpoint to ease into it. Uh, but let's start with the number four ranked Georgia Bulldogs heading up to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. Um, it's 24 and a half. I've seen it as high as 26 and a half. So a lot of people getting yeah. in on the Bulldogs right now. The total 53, 54 and a half, somewhere in that ballpark. But uh, uh, who do you like in the uh, dogs versus hogs matchup Saturday? <sighs> Honestly, at this one, like they, they've had so many quarterbacks that have dropped out for Georgia that I think you do go with JT Daniels on this one, but I, I'm not sure that's been um, said or stated of who the starting quarterback is. I hate them going on the road in the first matchup and what is a young team and playing on the road and giving up 27. In a lot saying of that, a lot of points. A lot yeah. of points. Arkansas over the past five years has just been terrible. Um, you know, and I thought they might right the ship by bringing in Bielma, whatnot, and getting back to this old, you know, six foot six linemen that are 320 pounds, and we're just going to push people around. Didn't work. Um, I, I honestly, at the end of the day, I couldn't tell you a top recruit that Arkansas has got in um, on that team. So if you're asking me to pick, I'm probably going to take Georgia in this one because I'm just going to think their athletes are going to be 10 times better. Yeah, Arkansas breaking in a new head coach, a new offensive system. They, they do yep. get Florida, you know, the Florida transfer, Felipe Franks coming in as a grad transfer, and he's he's going to be the starting quarterback on Saturday. So a guy that, that has played at, at the SEC level uh, and, and played played decent uh, whenever he was at Florida. Again, injury um, uh, set him down last year, and Kyle Trask takes over and uh, you know kind of saw the writing on the wall there, and so he decided right. to transfer. But, yeah, a lot of points on the road. Um, you know, you're, you're right. For Georgia's quarterback situation, uh, I think it's going to be a game-time decision. As of yesterday, I saw some tweets that said JT Daniels had still not been cleared to 
to compete in a game, right? He's been practicing, uh, and, and Dewan Mathis is getting, you know, they're splitting reps in practice right now. But, uh, you know, Mathis, he'll, he'll be a redshirt freshman, I believe, and, and a super talented guy, a high recruit uh, for sure. But, um, you know, probably a different style of player, you know, a little, little more athletic, probably runs the ball a little bit more than what, you know, JT Daniels, your traditional drop back, uh, five-step, seven-step uh, quarterback and throw it deep. Um, but, yeah, some question marks heading into that one as well. So, I if you're going to put a gun to my head, Chad, I would probably lean towards the hogs to maybe get the backdoor cover and, yeah. and keep it close, maybe lean towards the under in this one. You know, total 53, so not a ton of points expected in this one from a college game standpoint. But I think that Georgia defense, they're, that's that's what's going to win the day here for sure. And so yeah. I, I don't expect there to be a lot of points in this one, um, especially given there's there's some question marks on that Georgia offense at quarterback. So yep. uh, well, well, heading over to the SEC West division, at least as the the top team we're talking about, and that's number two ranked Alabama. Uh, they're giving a lot of points on the road to the Mizzou Tigers. I've seen 27 and a half, 28, uh, somewhere in that ballpark there. Total in this one, 55. So a similar line, a similar game script, if you will, probably uh, as to the Georgia-Arkansas game. But, but who do you like uh, in the Crimson Tide and Tiger matchup on Saturday? I am more confident about this one, but I'll, I'll take Alabama. They they just named Mac Jones as their starting quarterback. I don't know if he will be by the end of the year. I think that youngster Bryce Young is really good. Um, and I, I just think it's the wrong time for them to start Bryce Young right now. Hey, it's, a, it's an SEC game. I think maybe if they had played like an FAU or something to start the season, they might have he would might have gotten some reps. But, you know, Mac Jones in this offense still looks really good. They've still got – outstanding receivers on the outside. They always get the number one, number two running back recruits in the nation. They've got big boys up front. And I think Nick Saban has really, you know, he's gotten out of his skis, so to speak, on the offensive scheme standpoint and really let his coordinators just go and go with this new age offense. And I, I expect Alabama to put up 50, 60 points in this game. Yeah, I think Alabama just keeps rolling uh, on on the offense as well. I mean, we saw Mac Jones come in last year. They didn't really miss a beat uh, from no. an offensive production no, standpoint. not at all. And he's not the same level of talent from an NFL perspective that, that Tua was, and, and that that's given. But, you know, you think about the playmakers that they have around them, you know, the skilled position guys they have coming back, you know, Najee Harris at running back, uh, Devonta Smith, uh, uh, you have Jalen Waddle at wide receiver, and then all the other yeah. five-star recruits that they, they've accumulated over the last couple of years that we haven't even seen uh, or been exposed to yet. And so uh, you mentioned Bryce Young, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if Alabama can get out to a big lead here. Uh, do they bring him in? He was listed as the backup on, on the depth chart this week, and so he is the number two behind Mac Jones, but super talented guy, you know, number one recruit uh, uh, at quarterback this past year. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can make an appearance, assuming Alabama takes care of business maybe in the first half. Right. Or through the third quarter and we'll see what happens there but I'm I'm with you I, I like I like the tide in this one I, I think Missouri um I think that they're still a year or two away from kind of you know building that new program um you know having the new head coach come in uh, you know Eliah Drinkowitz there so uh, we'll we'll see what happens but uh, I like the Crimson Tide but you know, a couple of highlighted games here, Chad. We got three NFL games that, or four NFL games, I should say, uh, that that we want to talk about. Um, but the first one, you know, a Sunday Sunday early game, uh, two teams that are two and zero that I think we had to highlight. But you have the Rams going across country to take on the Buffalo Bills. Rams uh, plus two and a half, plus three, depending upon the book. And again, total here 47 and a half, 48. Um, both these teams two and zero. Both of them have looked pretty good through the first two weeks, Chad. But uh, thoughts on yeah. Rams and Bills? Uh, so my backdoor team this year for the 
for uh, kind of this this NFL year has been the Bills. You know, I took the I took Josh Allen to win MVP prior to the year. Um, I think they're going to be good. I think they they're going to win the um, AFC East. I think they'll take down the Patriots. Although it's, I'm not as confident anymore with how well cam's playing but uh flying cross country going and playing in the cold of buffalo um i we got to give credit to the rams defense i think it's amazing they they obviously held the cowboys to 17 points after the cowboys just scored 40 looked unstoppable against the falcons i think this bill's offense is going to be slow methodical they've got a big running back they've got a big quarterback that can go get them yards uh, if they need to, and I think Stefan Giggs gets loose for one, one or two touchdowns. I I do like the under in this one. Uh, I like I like Rams and under. Yep. I'm, or excuse I'm, me, Bills and under. Bills I'm, and under. I'm with you on the under here. I, I think the defense is probably win the day. This has a 20 to 17 type of feel to it. I think I think yep. it is going to be a close game, and I think that line's about right somewhere in that that three point uh, uh, two and a half uh, range. And so I'm with you on that one. But I I lean towards the under in this one. I think the defenses are going to be pretty stout. Um, and, and I think you're right. There'll probably be a couple big plays off a play action pass, whether it's Goff making that play or whether it's a Josh Allen for the Bills. Uh, that'll probably be the difference in the game when it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, uh, going to be excited to watch that one. I, I think both those teams, yeah. like I said, they've looked impressive through the first two weeks. But uh, the big game Sunday afternoon, Chad, is, is my yeah. Dallas Cowboys uh, getting getting points, four and a half points on the road at Seattle. We we, we talked about both those teams last week and crazy finishes and big performances at the quarterback position uh, by both of those guys, but. Cowboys plus four and a half. The total, I've seen it uh, 56 and a half. It's kind of inching up uh, from the opening at 55 and a half. But your thoughts on the boys and Hawks uh, on uh, Sunday afternoon? I think this could be the highest scoring game in the NFL this weekend. I think you could see like a 42-35 type game on this. I think Seattle is just clicking offensively. I think Russell Wilson can kind of get anything he wants. DK Metcalf is an absolute beast. Tyler Lockett is still one of the top wide receivers in the league. And then the Cowboys, I think, are going to be clicking as well. You know, Ezekiel Elliott has looked 10 times better than any other running back in the league up into this date right now. Um, and Dak Prescott's thrown the ball well, and he's got he's got weapons to throw to. So I think it's going to be an extremely high-scoring game. I'm not as confident on the points because I do think it could be like a 35-31, a 42-38 uh, type game here. I think Vegas has the right total, uh, or excuse me, the right line, but I think the total, it goes way over. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. You know, 56 and a half, that, that's a high total in the NFL. Chat. Oh, yeah. It, it just, it doesn't, you know, I was talking to Butterball yesterday about this game. You know, he's a big Cowboys fan, and we were talking about the line. I was like, it, it doesn't seem high enough. It seems like, you it know, they, it should be like 65 or something on this. But 56, that's that's a high total in the NFL uh, for sure. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I Call me crazy again. Man. Maybe it's a homerism. Maybe it's, a, yeah. you know, watching them pull that game out of their butt on Sunday against the Falcons. But uh, I, I like the Cowboys to go up there and win this game. And again, I'm the guy who picked the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl this year. You know, Russell Wilson, I think, has moved uh, from a betting standpoint. He's the odds-on favorite to be NFL yeah. MVP now. Um, and, and so Seahawks uh, have looked great through the first two weeks. And I, I still think that they're going to be really good and still won't shock me if they make the uh, Super Bowl from the NFC side. But I, I think the Cowboys carry some momentum into this one. I think they go up there and get a big win. So now they may come back and lose the next game because that's been their MO for the last <laughs> couple of years. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I like the Cowboys in this one. So another big game on 
Sunday night, Chad. Um, two explosive offenses. Uh, Packers plus three and a half. Uh, going down to New Orleans to take on Drew Brees and the Saints. Total here, 51 and a half. The Saints obviously coming off a disappointing performance um, Monday night in a loss to the Raiders at opening up their new stadium there in Vegas, uh, Allegiant uh, Stadium. But the Packers have looked awesome through the first two weeks, yeah. scoring over 40 points in both of those wins. Um, your, th- your thoughts on Packers and Saints uh, on Sunday night? On paper, you look at this and you think it's a trap game. You know why are the why are the Saints favored in this game? You know, uh, you know they're 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 two teams that traditionally know each other. They're both in the NFC. They usually see each other over the playoffs. Last, and you know what you're getting. Um, I was down on the Saints to start the year. I think that I, I was surprised that they beat the Bucks. Um, and then you know they kind of were who I thought they were when they went and played the Raiders. Uh, I think Drew Brees is going to have a little less on his passes. I think it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking to Alvin Kamara. And I just think they're exposed. I think uh, Aaron Jones, along with Ezekiel Elliott, has looked really good. And Aaron Rodgers might be having a comeback player of the year type uh, season. You know, he kind of had a down year last year, even though they won 12 or 13 games. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he just statistically didn't have his MVP uh, normal season. Uh, I like the Packers to win this. I would take the money line uh, with the Packers, um, and I, I would I'd bet a couple units on it. I like it. Well, I mean, you you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. You know, he he was a little chippy in the draft whenever they oh, took yeah. Jordan Love with that. You know, you, so you guys, you're already drafting my replacement, right? You're throwing dirt on my grave. I'm not done yet. And he kind of has that aura about him, like I'm going to prove all you suckers wrong. Uh, and man, he is he has come out with a vengeance. And you Ooh. mentioned Aaron Jones; they've ran the ball well. That uh, which obviously, from a quarterback's yeah. perspective, that that's that's your best friend to be able to turn and hand the ball off and have a stud running back uh, pick up tough yardage to put those games away. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. The line looks fishy to me, Chad. And that's the only thing that spooks Definitely. me a little bit. It's like why why are the Saints favored here? Uh, you yeah. know that that's what that's Trap what. Game. Yeah, yeah. And so I I would uh, I would lean towards the Saints here simply because that line spooks me. But, you know, from, from everything that my eyes have seen through the first two weeks, uh, the Packers appear to be the better team here. I'm with you on that. But, uh, you know, Vegas, uh, they, they're, they, they're, <laughs> they know. they're smart for a they reason, know, right? So that I'm with you. The line looks spooky, so I would lean towards Saints here. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if the Packers win. It wouldn't shock me if the, if, if the Packers win. They might win by 14. Right, so yeah. it, it may not even be close. Uh, so, but again, fast track. Uh, Devonte Adams had a little bit of a, a hamstring issue uh, Sunday, and he left that game early. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of his favorite targets there, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. But uh, I'm excited for that game. That's going to be a lot of fun on yep. Sunday night. In which, you know, the marquee matchup of Week Three from NFL perspective, Chad has to be the Chiefs at the Ravens Monday Night Football. Uh, Chiefs getting three and a half points here. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, you know, the, just the super-duper stars at all the positions here, the two best teams in the AFC last year. Um, your thoughts on this big matchup uh, on Monday Night Football, uh, Chiefs at the Ravens? Yeah, this is one where I kind of thought the Chiefs had a letdown against the Chargers because they might have been looking forward to this game more than anything. And I, I don't think we really saw the true Chiefs last week. Um, I just think they were – you know, thought they were going to go through the motions, Super Bowl champ, maybe take a week off, whatever. Um, I think this is the one that we're looking forward towards. And if you're going to give me the Chiefs and three and a half, especially with that hook, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I I would 
I would tend to lean towards the over in this one, Chad. So yeah. you know, from a fantasy pick perspective uh, this week, I, I, I liked uh, my, my picks that I gave out were both Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. I think these two guys show out on Monday night, all the eyeballs on them, the national audience. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, uh, and I think both those guys are going to put up some big numbers from a, from a quarterback standpoint for fantasy purposes. But you know, I think it's going to come down to a kick. And both these teams have excellent kickers. Justin Tucker for the Ravens. Uh, we saw what Harrison Butker was able to do for the Chiefs this yep. past weekend, nailing that 58-yarder in overtime to win it here. Um, I would, if you, I, I'm with you. If you get the hook, I think three points, you take it uh, for sure because I think this game comes down to who has the ball last uh, yeah. and who is able to get their field goal kicker in position for a last-second kick uh, to probably win this game because these two teams are, are just so explosive, so evenly matched, so good in different styles of play as well, which I think is going to make it fun uh, from a contrasting standpoint for TV purposes and from a neutral standpoint. But I, I'm pumped about that game. I, I will definitely be oh. staying up late uh, and, and watching the, the finish because I do think it's going to come down to the wire uh, in that one. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. But, well, Chad, as we get here, we're coming up on the hour mark, and so we'd be remiss if we didn't you know, kind of focus in on – perhaps one of the bigger gambling uh, sports gambling things that are ha- taking place this weekend. And that's uh, the UFC 253 pay-per-view. Again, they're back on Fight Island uh, in, in Abu Dhabi. And, and obviously the headliners uh, in this one are, are the two undefeated guys, right? Uh, Adesanya right. and Costa. Um, you know, we'll get to that fight here in a moment. You know, take a look at a couple of the, uh, the, the, the four fights on the undercard there, Chad. But um, anything stand out to you from, from the undercard perspective? Again, I, I'm not going to profess to be a UFC expert. I, I was kind of a boxing fan growing up but you know during the pandemic that was one of the few sports that were on uh, every single week every single night and so I watched a ton of USC over the last few months for sure uh, and I'm going to be renting this and watching this UFC pay-per-view uh, Saturday, Saturday night looking forward to that after the college football action's done but your thoughts on UFC 253 uh in any any picks any lines that kind of stand out to you yeah, and I'm I'm kind of right there with you, Keith. Like I, I've been uh, silently watched UFC over the past five, six, seven years, especially the bigger fights. Um, just kind of following along. I ended up going to uh, school with Johnny Hendricks, so I I ended up uh, watching him quite a bit. Um, the the one thing to point out on some of these is you. I'm just going to point out some money lines that have that have moved significantly. Uh, starting with the first undercard of uh, Diadu, uh, Diwadu and Turkogov. Um, Duwadu started out as kind of the underdog. He's getting about plus 110, plus 115 to take him. I mean, that's still kind of kind of even money, but he's moved to the odds on favorite at about minus 115, minus 120. Uh, the smart money's going on him. Um, I would... I would, I would tend to lean on that side as well. He's a little bit taller, um, can strike with him. Uh, the, the one line that stands out to me throughout this whole thing is nobody thinks Adesanya and cost is going to go the distance. You know, it's about a plus two thirty money line to get through all five rounds, which, Hey, hardly, hardly of them ever do with these two. They're both knockout artists and they can kind of put you out as it is, but that's just kind of that counter tuition on something to where they're, if they're both going for the knockout, they, it may be one of those things to where, you know, they're, they're hitting each other pretty hard, but uh, they both want to, they both want to win. And I don't think either one of them is going to go down pretty easily. So I might put a couple units on, Hey, this fight going into the distance, making it all five rounds um, and kind of keep up and, uh, see what the judge's scorecards come out to be. Uh, 
and I do like Reyes in the cha- the heavyweight championship fight. He's coming off what I thought he should have won in the John Jones fight. It was a controversial decision, but I I do like Reyes to get the the championship belt here. Uh, minus two seventy five odds, not great, but I still think it's a it's a pretty solid bet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm excited for that Reyes and Blackowitz fight. And again, you know, Reyes yeah. minus two seventy five, a, a big favorite there. You know, that, that's a that's a big favorite in, in UFC, especially when the uh, both guys have a one punch knockout uh, uh, ability. But you know, Reyes arguably, you know, he he may have won that fight against John Jones a, a few months ago. I think so he, he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think he's got a a point. And obviously, you know, Jones uh, relinquished that light heavyweight belt and is, is arguably or is stated that he's going to move up to heavyweight. Uh, we're kind of waiting to see how that's all going to kind of, kind of play out there but um but i think reyes is legit and i'm with you even even at uh, such steep odds at minus 275 uh, i would probably lay the money on him but yeah that main event chad adesanya and costa um i'm super excited about this and these guys have been chirping at one another for months in the lead up oh to it's this. great they, they do it's not great. yeah they do not <laughs> like one another and so no you, know, you, you talked about that you know both of them have been you know knockout artists kind of leading up to it different styles you know adesanya had a little bit of a anderson silva to him right so kind yeah. of a silky smooth quick strike skillful yeah, yeah. Long, yeah. long arms, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a a, a, a a real precise striker, and then Costa's just been a you know a bull in a, in a china closet, oh. man. So I mean, he just just bulldogging people, and again. We, we, we talked about this weekend, Chad. Hey, I don't know how the guy makes weight, you know, at that 185 no. weight class. You see him. I mean, it looks like he's He looks like he's about 230 pounds. Yeah, yeah, just a massive guy. And so, but I'm kind of with you. I, I think the the respect is going to be there. And so I, I wouldn't expect a first-round knockout here. I don't think that that bull rush mentality that Costa has shown in some of his other fights is probably the best tactic here, given given no. the skill that Adesanya brings to it. And so I think it might be a and little And I think cagey. he'll know that. I yeah. think he'll know to back away. And that's where, you know, the ducking and diving and looking for your spots. Yep, absolutely. So, and, you know, both these guys are undefeated. That's what makes this such a special fight yeah. is that they're both undefeated. Again, Adesanya right now, the favorite at minus 80 or minus 180, minus uh, 175. Uh, Costa in that plus 160, plus 145 range, somewhere in that ballpark, depending upon the book. I lean towards Costa in this one, man. So I, I've I've been super. I like impressed. the odds on Costa, yeah, man. I'm I, I with like you. the juice. You know, I think you're getting some value there at plus one sixty. You know, maybe it, you wait a little bit until it gets uh, closer to the fight uh, kicking off, uh, and you might get a little bit more juice if some more money comes in on Adesanya as the favorite there. But uh, I I like Costa in this one. I like Reyes uh, in the uh, uh, co-main event for the light heavyweight championship. And, and don't sleep on the 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 flyweight bout right before that one, Chad. Uh, the Kai Car France and the Brandon Royval. Uh, um, two contrasting styles here. Roy Val is a, is a submission expert, uh, you know, kind of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. And I think he's won his last three or four fights by submission. And so you're getting plus 190 on him right now. So he's an underdog. Uh, but I, I kind of like the value I'm getting right there. So I, I might throw that out as a pick as well. Roy Val at plus 190 uh, to maybe win that fight uh, as, a, as a submission. Uh, or in that fight in the submission. So, but I like I like what you're bringing to the fire right now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm excited. I like, like I said, you know, it, uh, inevitably, uh, whenever we've rented these big UFC pay per views in the past, all the fights end in first round knockouts, and the fights are all crappy. And so, so the, oh, yeah. the buildups oftentimes don't pay out. You know, that's the one good thing you know, Chad, about WWE pay per views is that we know we're getting a full th- three hours of, of entertainment <laughs> on that. So we know but, the fight's uh, going. Absolutely, the the boxing UFC those things might end a little early depending upon how it all shakes out. So, uh, but yeah, really excited 
excited for that. And again, I think that Adesanya and Costa, uh, it may not be the last time these two guys fight, regardless of how that one pans out. So maybe maybe that uh, that rivalry uh, you know, might end up in a trilogy when it's all said and done later on down the road. But uh, we'll see what Dana White uh, pairs up uh, on that front. But, well, Chad, again, I think we've covered our lines for the week, bud. And so all that's left now is to, to watch the games, watch the fights, and kind of see what happens. And so uh, for our listeners, you can follow Chad and, and the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC or on the web at chalkokc.com. Again, give them some love. Uh, go 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 watch the game Saturday or Sunday and uh, uh, partake of, of the fun stuff yeah. and all the TV action that Chalk we has got to fair offer. We got fairway going on. Absolutely. We got final Absolutely. cake fries. We got corny dogs. We got turkey legs. Come on by. Oh, God. Well, yeah, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even pay any attention to that. So the Deep food's always Oreos. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm off the diet then. So, but, uh, <laughs> uh, well, Chad, again, appreciate you joining me uh, and look forward to the next one, bud. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, gang, the conversation doesn't end here. Uh, to keep it going, and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you next week, gang. Uh, And don't forget to check your tickets, everyone. Take care and good luck. (laughs) 